Welcome back to the East West Grind Podcast. I'm your trusted host. Yes, I am. My name's Christine Silva. Welcome, welcome, welcome. All right, you guys, what's on our agenda today? We got some politicians' asses to roast. I'll talk about a book I read. It was very heartfelt. We got some fake news, as always. And we've added a housekeeping segment, which is lovely. We got some gossip, a few emails, and of course, of course, our show would not be complete without the very prestigious. We got that asshole of the week as we wrap things up, guys. So grab some snickities, a beverage, get your friends to hang out with you as you listen, and as we strap into this corkscrew that is the East West Grind Podcast, you guys, let's do this. All right, you guys, before we get into today's show, let's give that love and respect to today's sponsor over at Body and Soul Botanica. What's up, guys? Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Body and Soul Botanica. And listen, I've been using this product for about two months. I think most of you remember I broke my ankle a few months back hiking. Yeah, it was a little over two and a half months. But this is the only product I've been using for my ankle for swelling, for pain, for basic relief. And I saw my orthopedic surgeon the other day. He looked at the x-ray and me and he's like, what have you been doing? I said, I've been using Miracle Sports Cream from Body and Soul Botanica. He looked at me and he's like, where's the bottle? Let me see it. I said, "Uh, I'll email you the the site, Dr. Cook. Of course, I didn't have it with me, but he was blown away. He also said, you're ready to walk again with restrictions, but you're ahead of schedule and ready to start your rehabilitation. I'm walking here. Guys, I'm a firm believer that Miracle Sports Cream from Body and Soul Botanica played a huge role in my healing. This will be the only topical cream I use for aches and pains moving forward in my life. And I think if you haven't already, you should give the Miracle Sports Cream from Body and Soul a chance. Everybody I know that uses it swears by it. And check this out, guys. Body and Soul features all-natural, plant-based products that are not only good, for your body and soul soak in their bath products too that they sell trust me you'll see exactly what i'm talking about but not only guys are the products at body and soul good for your body and soul they smell fantastic it's got that mentholated scent makes you want to you know take that long deep breath into your lungs like a good stretch in the morning like you know it's rejuvenating it's not greasy nor does it leave that filmy coat over your skin that once it's heated up, it becomes too hot and you got to wash it out. You, you follow me? Yeah, no, this is not that product, you guys. And side note real quick. I had no idea about this until recently. Because, like I said, I'm that guy. I'm always late to the game. But body and soul, Miracle Sports Cream is the secret weapon of some of the NFL teams out there. It's what those team leaders use to get their players back from injury quicker. Have you watched an NFL game? Have you seen the hits these players take? I need something after a shopping cart runs into me down at Target. These guys in the NFL take beatings, and this is the product that these guys are using? Hell yeah, it works. It's also the go-to product 
for retired professional athletes and Olympians, helping them get decades back on their legs so they can stay active even with the wear and tear on their bodies. Sports is a rough business, you guys. Professional sports, it is rough on the body. Well, listen, guys. Following up, those that know me, they know that I don't put my name on or behind shitty products. I don't do it. So remember, don't come knocking with your snake oil. This is me being real with you, my friends, my listeners. Body and Soul Miracle Sports Cream has made a positive impact on my life and in my healing process. It's facts of my experience using it. So if you're having aches and pains in your shoulders, your knees, your lower back, or you're just coming out of the house to get active again in the community, you know, with COVID lightening up, whatever it is, I mean, go slow, don't break an ankle. But I give you my word, my friends, Body and Soul Miracle Sports Cream and products can change your life. I know, because like I said, I experienced it firsthand. The Miracle Sports Cream is 100% plant-based. See, the hippies were right. And remember, it's hemp-based. It has 11 herbal extracts that go beyond CBD to actually help your body heal itself from within, as Mother Nature intended. And check this out, guys. We have an exclusive deal for East West Grind listeners. Go to www.bodysoulbotanica.com. We'll have the link in the show notes. Enter promo code EASTWESTGRIND at checkout to get 20% off your entire order. Take advantage of that 20%, you guys. Some of our listeners took advantage of that 20% to apply it to the eye cream or the bath products. They love it. And remember, guys, this offer is exclusive to my loyal listeners. Take advantage of it, friends. Don't let pain stop you from living your best life. Get this Miracle Sports Cream. Your body will thank you, and it helps support our podcast. Cool? All right, cool. Once again, use promo code EASTWESTGRIND at BodySoulBotanica.com. Get that 20% off. Peace out, y'all. I love that stuff, you guys. I'm wearing it right now. Get you guys some of that stuff. It works. All right, what's up, everybody? I hope you're doing good I'm and, and coming out of the house safely. California's like free-balling with the masks. You don't really need to wear it unless you're in like a big corporate store like Target or Home Depot. And most people I know are vaccinated. It's just, uh, you know, the corporations have, they still have that like rules of engagement. If you want to come in, you got to wear the mask. It is what it is for now. You know, I'm sure that'll lighten up too. But things are getting mostly back to normal. We went to Strizzy's in Livermore with my sister last night. Downtown's hopping again. You know, you're seeing people out like, hey, what's up? What's up? Everybody's hugging. It's like a rebirth. Only we're all a year and some change older. If, you know, we made it. Millions didn't make it. And in just reported COVID deaths, reported in the United States, over 600,000 people did not make it. That's a lot of people and family that lost their parents, you know, their siblings, their friends, their relatives, their neighbors, their coworkers. That's an epic fucking fail. That is the entire Trump administration. And we can agree, we can agree to disagree on that and still love each other and be friends. Trust me, a lot of my family supports Trump and still do. You know, they did and they still do. Some I love, some I don't give two shits about. It is what it is. But most people, 
know somebody who died from it, got severely ill from it. Life has changed forever, my friends, from this uh, pandemic. Some people, you know, who had COVID now have full-on anxiety or have, you know, what's known as COVID brain where they can't stay focused. If you had COVID, you may notice even a change in your skin or how your body normally acts. There are lasting side effects from this. Some may not have the side effects. Some may come later. Same thing can be said about the vaccine too. So, and I got the vaccine, but I'll let you guys know if I grow that third boob later on down the line. But, uh, you know, there are definitely some lasting effects and, and that is why the Democrats were fighting and not approving that first or second stimulus bill because there was no protection for lasting effects. So thank you, Democrats. I kind of think I had COVID back in uh, the beginning of 2020. I didn't show the typical signs of the virus, of a virus, you know, like a fever. You know, like I I had said before with with the chills and stuff. I'll give you an example. I walked into a sneeze in the ladies' room in Walmart about seven years ago. And I knew when I happened to walk through this lady's line of fire, I was done. Sure enough, 36 hours later, I was down with the flu for like five days. Yeah, that didn't happen during this time that I think I had COVID. But for about four days, I, I didn't have the, the smell or the, or the taste. I could eat. I just couldn't taste anything. Six months later, what are some of the, the confirmed signs of COVID? You can't smell, you can't taste. So that's kind of why I think I was, I had it, but was very like asymptomatic. So me personally, I think COVID was here for a while before the first confirmed cases were discovered here in the U.S. And I'm not talking about when I had, you know, the flu seven years ago. No, no, no. I'm talking about over the past, you know, or the prior 12 months before the first cases showed up in Santa Clara early 2020. Leading up to COVID, a friend of mine, his name is Michael, was Michael. I worked on the campus of a tech leader here in Palo Alto with him. He was my age. 2018, he got the flu and somehow it became this weird pneumonia and he died. Healthy guy for the most part, from what I could see. We'd ride, you know, bikes all over those campuses to meetings and such. It's not normal for someone who's 50 to die of the flu. That didn't make sense to me then and it still doesn't make sense to me. My aunt, at the very beginning of COVID, 2019, went into a nursing home, had a strange breathing problem, and died, not being able to breathe. My mom was exactly one year prior to her, had a dialysis thing put into her arm. It got infected. She went into the hospital to get better from that, developed some sort of lung thing she didn't come back from, and she was gone, 2018. Nobody could tell me why she was breathing the way that she was. She had a respiratory thing going on. Not even she knew. I asked her. Both those girls were treated at the same hospital and nursing home. And both 
those facilities had COVID infestations, articles in the show notes. But shortly after, we started to have confirmed COVID cases in the U.S. That is my experience. And that still doesn't make sense to me what happened. But I think Santa Clara was the seventh case in the U.S. And I knew it was bad. I knew it. When Mike Pence was calling the Santa Clara, Santa Clara Health Department himself, I think it was Santa Clara or San Mateo, one of them, they're both like, you know, right over there, across the bridge. But imagine your work phone rings and at the other end is a voice. Please hold for the Vice President of the United States of America, articles in the show notes. Do you know how many health departments there are across the United States? Over 2,600 local health departments spread out across the country. And the vice president of the country makes a call to your local health department personally during the beginning of COVID. You know there's a problem. If you pick up that, if you get that call, you know that there's a problem. I talked about this back on my Facebook and YouTube. That's that's random, you know, but it pops up here and there. A friend of mine in uh, Vegas texted me recently like, hey, you you know, you just popped up while I was scrolling YouTube. But uh, in November and December of 2019, I was warning my friends and family on social media. And I'm telling them, hey, this isn't normal for the vice president to call the health department. We got to take this seriously. One, I've dealt with the health department my entire working life. Two, they, friends and family, they know it and I know it. And this, the health department, they know for sure I know. You follow me? Health department shit, I know for sure. People that know me know that I know it. Make sense? Good. Thank you. Uh, But it's my industry. I was with... Jack in the Box, or food maker, during the E. coli outbreak in 1993. They almost didn't make it back. Remember this? What are you doing to the Jack in the Box clown? He's going bye-bye, lady. But he's so cute. Cute was the old Jack in the Box restaurants. Now we stand for great new food. Like our new Chicken Supreme, juicy all-white meat chicken, two kinds of cheese on a toasted whole wheat bun. The food is better at the box. The food is better at the box. Waste them. Or this. Hello, I'm Jack, founder of Jack in the Box. Perhaps you remember when I was fired. Ever since that setback, I've had to one day regain my rightful place as head of Jack in the Box. Today, thanks to the miracle of plastic surgery, I'm back and ready to make Jack in the Box better than ever. Jack is back, man. What a marketing campaign. Terrible food, terrible for you, addictive. All fast food is, for that matter, just fucking terrible for your body and your mind. 
Locally grown farm to fork is the only way, my friends, especially for someone over like 25. But what a marketing campaign to come back from, from being the company responsible for the worst foodborne illness outbreak in U.S. history. The marketing and the food safety HACCP for restaurant system came out of that tragedy. And today, when you go into the gas station, the coolers, the packaged burritos and sandwiches, they have to be held under 40 degrees. Nacho cheese, when you're making those nachos, has to come out of that pump at a certain temperature for food safety reasons. There's audits and unannounced health inspectors that come around and check shit out. Time and temperature control to prevent the foodborne illnesses and sanitation procedures to prevent the spread of viruses. So this personal call from the vice president at the beginning of COVID to my local health department, that told me we had something really bad going around. Like Twister, Helen Hunt, and Bill Paxton. Like that bad. But like I said, I think I had it with the smell and the taste for a few days. And who knows, maybe uh, the cleaning and dish pit chemicals and sanitizers I've been exposed to with 30 years in industrial kitchens strengthened my immune system responses to virus. I don't know, but somebody should look into that. In any case, though, just like with that outbreak at Jack in the Box where people were left with lasting effects from E. coli, this virus, this COVID virus is having the same lasting effects on people. So the moral to the story, my friends, is don't let your guard down all the way. I know that the masks are being taken down and, and we're loosening up. In my experience, though, just don't let your guard down all the way. That's what I'm saying. Sanitize your hands, wash your hands still, wear the mask when you feel like you need to. I still carry one in my pocket and uh, I wear it when I feel like, you know, I need to or it's required. But see, it didn't last forever. Because of technology, we were not required to wear a mask as long as folks in 1918. But we all had to go through the process for the public at large. So all you crybabies, no disrespect, who were screaming in the beginning of the lockdowns, communism, we're going to end up a communist country. What say you as we get control of the spread? And this is just six months into the Biden-Harris administration. But as the vaccines get rolling into people's arms, Bill Maher, for example, in his 60s, caught COVID after he'd been vaccinated. No symptoms. He had the taste and the smell thing too. But that's all he got. Had he not gotten vaccinated, how might his symptoms have gone? Where would he be? Who knows? But I always try to use business models, and politics in the same vein. If you work for a shitty boss or company, you feel that all the way down to the staff on the floor. If you work for a good boss or company, you feel that all the way down to the staff on the floor too. Joe Biden is the better man here, folks. If you trust me, then you trust me. Trump was the worst president in American history for all of humanity.
All right, politicians, you guys. Texas Governor Greg Abbott announced he's starting a GoFundMe to build Trump's border wall out there in Texas. <laughs> Articles in the show notes. Do you guys see that these guys have zero, zero creativity? They just recycled an old scam to see how many Americans would fall for it again. They pulled this GoFundMe border wall scam in 2018. I think it was 2018. We talked about it many, many times in the past, but Steve Bannon was going to trial and probably to prison for stealing a million plus dollars from that first account, that first GoFundMe, and then Trump pardoned him within 24 hours before he left the the presidency. I feel like I ask this two or three times per episode because these things just keep coming up. But do you guys see the con yet? That's going to be in our merch line too. Do you see the con yet? All right, next, how many of you guys read? I read about five books. Well, I've read about five books. I mean, just this year, but not page to page type of reading. I have to do audio books. I don't have the attention span to actually read, read. This is a learning style too. I'm not exactly sure what it's called. If you know what type of learning style it is, please let me know. You can reach me at info at eastwestgrind.com. I'm interested, you guys. I want to know. But when I read for a long period of time, I drift off. And then I keep reading until I realize I didn't retain shit for the past 25 minutes. With audiobooks, I can go on the journey with the narrator. This last book I just finished, Chelsea Handler, Life Will Be the Death of Me and You Too, was literally, to me, it was just amazing. I listened to it in one day. I laughed with her. I hysterically cried over you know, the death of her brother and her and her mother and how she dealt with it. It was familiar and reminiscent of dysfunction in most, if not all of, of, of American families or all families, because, you know, there's shit going on everywhere. But when she talked about her, like her sessions with her therapist, Dan, I felt like I was in therapy with her, man. I learned so much about myself through her book. It, it felt like a cleansing. It was amazing. Chelsea Handler, you guys, life will be the death of me. Check it out. And now let me let this uh, reading topic lead you into Biden's 2022 budget. You might be thinking, how did you get from Chelsea Handler's book to Biden's budget? Here's how. I'm still reading the pages of Biden's budget for next year. It looks fantastic for the working class Americans, by the way. Uh, There's more funding for public school kids and healthier eating choices for public, uh, you know, neighborhood kids. There's extending two years of school in the front, like preschool or in the back, like two two years of junior college, uh, if you want it. It does not favor the corporations or the wealthiest of America. No, it does not. There are programs to help people rise in his budget. And that's all I could focus on for now. So, uh, you know, once I get through all of that, I'll have more of a detailed report for you guys. And now here's how the budget ties into a book 
for my politician friends that listen, Madam Speaker, Madam Vice President, can we please, moving forward, get audio versions of the budget and any other really important information being reported to the American people made available to the public? Can we get that information in audio version, please? It would help a lot of people like me who retain things through listening. Preferably, if we could have Jen Psaki read, I know she's busy, but if we could get her audio on on a budget or something like that, I like her voice, man. She's a powerful woman. Uh, You can tell she does not get intimidated by anybody she's speaking in front of, and she speaks clearly and in a way that you can understand. It's empowering for the powerless. But that'd make it easier for people like me, like I said, who want to pay attention to politics, but who don't have that attention span to get involved. Chelsea Handler's book was like 300 pages. The budget is like 80 pages. And I'm still not even halfway through it. See what I mean? All right, what else do we got? I'm walking in a boot. Couple steps here and there without the walker and... uh you know, by, by mid-July, I expect to be driving again. That's progress. And that fantastic news will lead us into a cool little shout-out for our friends over at Body and Soul Botanica. All right, guys, before we move into our next segment, love and respect to today's sponsors over at Body and Soul Botanica. That's www.bodysoulbotanica.com. Their Miracle Sports Cream hasn't just helped in the healing process with my ankle. I use it on my shoulders, on my knee, both knees, my lower back. It's amazing. So to all my working class listeners out there in the culinary world, the retail workers, the service industry workers, the mechanics, the utility workers, the truckers, I know the beatdown all those industries do to one's body hustling through your day and over the years. Trust me, you guys, you need this product. And I love how it makes my body feel just all rejuvenated and, you know, fresh and like pain-free. I feel alive. And that's the truth. Folks, Miracle Sports Cream goes beyond CBD to feature 11 herbs working together to stimulate your body's natural healing processes. No joke. And I'm excited to see how it helps me get back into shape uh, when I get when I can get back into the gym because I'm planning on walking the rock and roll half marathon in Vegas come February 2022. But who knows? Maybe with the Miracle Sports Cream, I might be able to jog because I don't run unless somebody's chasing me. Like I said, guys, as you age, those aches and pains creep up seemingly overnight. But listen. You don't have to sit in pain and discomfort anymore. Give the Body and Soul Miracle Sports Cream a try. It's a mixture of 11 all-natural herbs, including CBD. CBD is the non-psychoactive ingredient derived from hemp or Delta 9 THC, followed by a heavy dash of straight-up love to make this product so perfect that it helps take whatever is ailing you away. Don't forget to tell them that Christine from the East West Grind sent you folks by entering promo code East West Grind 
for that 20% off. Again, www.bodysoulbotanica.com. Promo code East West Grind. I'd never send you guys on a wild goose chase. Give this product a try, guys. Peace out. All right, you guys. Who's in the fake news hopper today? Because that's what we got on deck right now. None other than the heiress that was intentional to the Swanson TV dinner trash outfit, Tucker Carlson. But last night, Tux, I'm calling him Tux because Tucker Carlson is a hemorrhoid deep in the ass of American culture, past, present, and future. Sorry, not sorry. But yesterday on Fox Nation, Tux Carlson had guest Charles Murray on. Charles Murray is a conservative political scientist. When you put conservative in front of your title, conservative news, conservative political scientist, that's another way of saying you're full of shit. When did conservative in front of a title become a thing? Rachel Maddow, for example, holds a bachelor's degree in public policy from Stanford University and a doctorate in political science from Oxford University. Don't get me started on her academic awards she won. She's won in her lifetime. She's only like 45 or something like that too. Bay Area, Castro Valley native, holla. But I don't see liberal or progressive in front of her accomplishments. You know, when she's being interviewed or on her show, I don't see liberal or progressive on any of the people on the left, for that matter. Here we go again. Do you guys see the con yet? But putting conservative in front of someone's title, that just means that that specific individual with conservative in front of their name shares your conservative views and by association, conservatives, we're all following you just because that conservative title is in the name. But what if those views with those conservative named people, what if they're wrong or inaccurate? What if what they're saying is wrong or inaccurate? And they are. That is fact. But don't we want accurate information, truth, supported by factual information and documentation? And please don't come at me with, you know, Russia, 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 confusion, delusion, blah, blah, blah. Read Bob Mueller's book. And tell me who you think individual one is. And don't try to discredit Bob Mueller with me, please. Lifelong Republican, served our country, worked for X amount of presidents, please. That's like taking down John, John McCain. You wouldn't do that. You wouldn't say these guys aren't patriots. Anyways, but don't we want that, you guys? Don't we want the truth from everybody, let alone our elected officials or our news sources? Or do we just want to be told what we want to hear or fed information that matches how we think or feel? I personally think that's true for a large part of America. The meat and potatoes of America equals the working class equals everyday America. And here's why I think this happens, that a large part of our society just want to be fed information. If we, you know, as in society, a large part, like I said, here's something that contradicts what we think or feel. Well, that just makes us uncomfortable. And us, like I said, 
being the working-class everyday America, or everybody for that matter. But that uncomfortable feeling forces thought. People don't want to think. Thought is time-consuming. Most people don't have time to invest in thinking. People in everyday America are too busy to think, man. They are in robot mode. Work, kids, soccer, home, bed. Work, kids, soccer, home, bed. And there's only 24 hours in a day. And by the way, now this is going to run into a side note, okay? So remember, we're coming back conservative or liberal liberal titles in front of someone's name. Remember, that's where we're at, guys. So listen, everyday people, they're lucky to get even eight hours of sleep. They're so busy trying to survive in life. The everyday American, the working stiff, is hustling to support a family and all the trials and tribulations that go along with that hustle of life. And now here's a sidebar. To support that hustle in life that I was just talking about, in terms of, you know, there's no time for anything. People are busy, you know, into their their day-to-day lives and just getting through life and stuff. But here's what I want to say now. Walmart workers are on welfare. They cannot survive on their salaries. One of the most profitable multi-billion dollar corporations in America and Sam Walton's employees are on welfare for food stamps and health insurance. See, the motherfuckers over there at Walmart are sly. Here's how they do it. Wait a minute. Wait a second. Who's the CEO over there at Walmart again? Doug McMillan. The CEO of Walmart, Doug McMillan, has a net worth of approximately $100 million. His salary at Walmart is $22 million a year. And for what? What does he do? Do you even know how to get in there and scan a product or fix the self-checkout when people, you know, when it gets stuck out there, Dougie Doug? No, I'm sure you don't. But here's what Walmart does, the sneaky of it all. Legally, with a corporation of that level and number of employees, you have to provide health insurance, maybe 401k to full-time, full-time employees. When I was in corporate, A full-time position was 37.5 hours per week. Well, these pieces of shit at Walmart hire on all their non-management, which you see as checkers or stalkers, you know, when you're shopping at Walmart, and they hire them as part-time employees at maybe 35 hours a week. Employers don't have to offer part-time employees health benefits or 401ks. That is fact. So by cutting... Two hours of work from those employees, that's like eight hours a month, saves the Walmart corporations millions, millions a year in healthcare. So not only is Walmart paying shitty wages, they're offering no health insurance, no incentive for the future with their organizations, and it's on the taxpayers and the federal government to provide those basic human rights of healthcare 
to the Walmart employees and their families, to employed people. Why is that fair? A hundred million dollars the CEO of Walmart is worth. And you ride the rails of health insurance for your employees? No wonder your turnover is so high. You don't take care of your people, man. Walmart employees who listen to this East West Grind podcast, you guys need an honest union in there. You know what? I might just get a greeter job over there at Walmart just to stir up trouble in their workforce and get the union buzz going throughout those organizations. And don't email me about, oh, unions are terrible. Bullshit. You vote in your union leaders in the same way you vote in your politicians. So if your union delegate is crooked, don't look at him. Look at yourself. You put him in that position. It's a character issue. If a crook slips by you, you miss the red flags. But corporations like Walmart tell their workforce that labor unions are bad. Because unions fight for the workers for fair wages and stuff, health insurance, seniority. Walmart employees are on welfare. They are working and they have to get government assistance. Let that sit for just a minute. You guys at Walmart need somebody fighting for you. Anyways, does any of this, the Walmart saga, Does it piss any of you guys off? It does me. I know people that work at Walmart. Do you? Do you, Ted Cruz or Louie Gomer, Big Marge? Do any of you guys know anyone that works at Walmart? I guess no. Because if you did, you'd use your platform to bring attention to the fact that the Walmart Corporation is fucking over its workers equals the American people. And guess who the Walmart Corporation donates money to every year? That's right, the Republican Party. Big Trump donors, Ted Cruz and Marge, Big Marge, and all those guys. They don't say anything about Walmart's business practices because they're with it. They're aware. They just don't care. And I'm sorry, Everyday America, But you're a Democrat for your own good, for your family that's just been etching by. You guys are all Democrats. Unless it's more important for you to be able to run around like, fuck these faggots or fuck these ends, go back to China. If that's you, well, then you're in the right party. You're getting burned by the party that keeps telling you that they love you. Hashtag domestic violence. But you're in the right party. Stockholm Syndrome. Look that up for me, guys. Side note two on that. Just after the insurrection, January 6th, Walmart announced it would not be donating any money to the GOP who stands with the insurrectionists. Article in the show notes. Okay, where were we? Yeah, conservative titles and liberal titles before one's name. Like it means something other than, oh, we think alike. True or false, we think alike. But me personally, I don't see it on the left. Liberal news anchors, liberal bloggers, liberal anything. Unless it's the conservatives giving those titles and names to individuals on the left. 
But my orthopedic surgeon for my ankle, he's not a conservative or a liberal orthopedic surgeon. He's just an orthopedic surgeon. Why do we put titles like conservative or liberal in front of things? Why can't news just be news, man? I want to know what the news is, whether it's on the right or on the left. We just need honesty. I felt like the news was so much more honest before when I was growing up with the, I always talk about them. It's Ted Koppel and the other guy, it's slipping my mind right now. Dan Rather. I always felt like the news was like respected and, and, and accurate. And, you know, like you knew what you were getting, you knew what was going on. Rush. And Roger Ailes came around. And then Trump News, man. It's the same shit. It's a spin on what's actually going on to piss off conservative listeners and viewers. That's it. Do you see it yet, guys? Do you see the con yet? All right, next in the hopper, I got an email from Paula Teggs 226 Sends me a message. Trump will be back in office by August and Biden's Communist Party will be put in jail. Hi, Paula. No, ma'am. Miss Paula, you have been lied to and taken advantage of. There's not even a position. I mean, I'm sorry. There's not even a procedure in place for that type of situation you've described that Trump will take office again and Biden will just leave and go to jail. That is fiction. And there's, like I said, there's no procedure in place for something like that to even happen. But I'd like to play a clip for you, Miss Paula. Fahid Zakaria, the other day, he had on uh, Jillian Tett, an anthropologist. Anthropology is the study of human behaviors, societies, cultures. So she's, you know, legit super smart. And human behavior is her field of study. You go to school for like five to seven years to be an anthropologist. She knows what she's talking about. But listen to this clip real quick last Sunday on GPS. Chuck Woolery. And when I went to launch a wrestling match, I realized that Trump's performative political style, the way he staged rallies, the way he did the name calling, crooked Hillary, little Mark Rubio, the kind of staged aggressive melodrama for show all of that had been borrowed directly from the world of wrestling matches, where, of course, he was deeply involved for many years. And the key point is this. That performative singling connected him with a large swathe of the voters. But people who'd never been to a wrestling match didn't even realize that because they were trapped in their own tribe, their own tunnel vision. See, Trump and company play on your emotions, ma'am. And it's very intentional. Trump employed the right people to prey on those specific emotions of the American people to make a buck off of them. Matter of fact, we raised those red flags here at the grind since the inception of our show. Here's one of our recent rants. Check this out. But the Capitol riot people are saying too much Fox News convinced them that the president needed their help. And that's why they went and did the dumb shit that they did that day. Fox's defense is 
any reasonable people or persons knows that Fox News is an entertainment channel like WWE. Is everybody having a good time? (laughs) I am. There's nothing like really good ownership, is there? (laughs) We get rid of this guy, McMahon, nothing like it. Okay, earlier tonight, I told everybody that after the show, you're getting your money back. Unheard of. (laughs) Amazing. For all the people watching television, I said something very simple. No commercials tonight. Commercial free. Not bad. Never happened before. How much money do you think that cost? You know, the new general manager that Vince wanted to appoint? Hello. That was the former president like 10 years ago trying his hand at the WWE, which didn't work out. And remember, Vince McMahon and his wife, Linda, who owned the WWE, were in the Trump administration. Do you guys catch what I'm throwing at you? We spent four years in an entertainment presidency. No governing, all lies and illusions. See, Vince McMahon and his wife, Linda, were at the upper echelons of the United States government. And for what? What reason? For their talent in marketing and entertainment. The MAGA supporter or the Republican of the last five years views politics as a rock versus undertaker type of event. I feel like that base is becoming, you know, more narrow People, people caught on by now. They've caught on. But don't send this fool any money, Miss Paula. Him or his rotten kids. Thanks for the message, ma'am. All right, what's in gossip? Critical race theory and education. This is now the programming topic of all the Fox and conservative talking heads. Check this out real quick. Now, as we have covered on this program night after night, far left ideologies, they are infiltrating our educational system from grade school right through college. It's getting that bad, so bad that even those who have fled from totalitarian regimes seeking freedom in America in search of freedom of thought, they're taking notice. An actual defector from North Korea who attended the Ivy League institution known as Columbia University is speaking out, telling FoxNews.com the climate inside Columbia reminds her of North Korea, citing themes like anti-Western sentiment, collective guilt, suffocating political correctness. For example, during orientation, she said she was scolded for saying that she enjoyed the works of acclaimed author Jane Austen and was told the books are racist, along with being subjected to what she saw as nonstop anti-American propaganda. Here to tell her story is North Korea defector Yomi Park, along with Fox News contributor uh, Mike Huckabee. Um, Yomi, I read this story. You're, You're saying, so you grew up, and how many years you were in North Korea, what, 20 years? And you think the indoctrination in the United States at our Ivy League institution, Columbia, is as bad or worse as the propaganda, anti-American hate that you heard in North Korea? So when I was in North Korea, 
first thing that I learned was that Americans were bastards. It was actually the one word. At school, when I was attending, they told me, actually, it was just math problems saying there are four American bastards. You killed two of them. Then how many American bastards left to, to kill? And as a child in North Korea, you have to say two American bastards. And when I came to America, a guy like I fell in love with this country. This is such a wonderful country. I never been accepted more than this country was. And as at Columbia University, literally every professor was saying that you know the problems that we have on today's world is because of white men, how they colonize Africa, they how colonize I mean Asia, right? That's how they mess up everything, and they are the one who's who needs to be blamed. And I couldn't believe that. Like, am I sitting in North Korea's classroom or in America? Actually, I couldn't believe why people are hating their own people that much. What is this? People are having kittens, kittens, because organizations and schools are teaching students about, you know, laws that favor certain people, or Jim Crow, or civil rights. You know that whole movement. But what's the problem here? It's American history. That's a whole period in junior high school and high school, you know, dedicated to American history. At least it used to be. It was called history class. And who is this young girl in the in the in the audio in the video? We're supposed to take her word for schools like Stanford and Berkeley and Yale, and that they're teaching Kim Jong Un's, you know, communist indoctrination. Really? Is that why people come from all over the world to go to these schools? Now listen to these two American historians real quick. Their podcast is called Now and Then. I'll put their uh, their show in the notes. I'm all about these ladies. I listen to them. I mean, if I'm going to learn, it's going to be from a historian, right? And if you can't Accept accurate information from American historians, and you'd rather believe a South Korean student about our country's most treasured colleges. You're a problem, a big, big problem. Check these ladies out real quick. And yet, it's being depicted as this big, horrible threat that demands legislation. Interestingly enough, I actually, for fun, went onto YouTube to look up how often it was being mentioned and by whom. And what was really interesting to me was how many times it came up from the Fox News Channel, for example, or from many of the right-wing pundits. All over the country, beginning early last June, school curricula have changed completely and become explicitly political and openly racist. And most parents have just sat there on their hands and watched it happen and watched their kids hurt by it. There certainly are clips out there from the people who are trying to advance the ideas in it, but they're few and far between compared to the clips against it. People who are out in school board meetings screaming about how they don't want their children to be taught critical race theory, which I have to say always kind of backs me up against a wall because I'm like, have you been in a classroom? Hold on a second. Tucker Carlson just said, since last June, our school curriculum has dramatically changed and is openly racist. I'd say yes, it's true. But who's been in charge for the past four years prior to Biden? It was Trump and Betsy DeVos. That whole 1776 school curriculum, they want that type of teaching. 
And guess what? Lincoln didn't free the slaves until 1865. The Civil War was between 1861 and 1865. This is the Republican agenda of racism and telling, and they are telling their constituents that it's the Democrats. Again, I asked the question, do you guys see the con yet? Let's keep going, Ash. Can you ban a fifth grade classroom? Like, <laughs> like, like, really? Really? Precisely. That just, that on so many levels, this makes no sense. What's happening in a classroom, the fact that somehow if we talk about something, students are instantly indoctrinated, which is the word that's being thrown around all the time. There are so many levels on which this doesn't make sense. And that's really what Heather and I wanted to do in this episode. We want to be good historians here and talk about what critical race theory actually is. Shock, gasp, but we're going to do that. We're going to talk a little bit about how it fits into how we understand history and American history. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the debate that's going on right now today about critical race theory and who's using it and for what. Yeah, and what it's really about, you know, what this political moment is really about. So we thought we'd start with a quotation from one of the people who came up with the idea of critical race theory, which is an idea that comes out of the 1970s and the 1980s. And we'll talk a little bit about where that came from. Her name is Kimberly Crenshaw, and these are her words describing what it is. Critical race theory just says, let's pay attention to what has happened in this country and how what has happened in this country is continuing to create differential outcomes so we can become that country that we say we are. So critical race theory is not anti-patriotic. In fact, it is more patriotic than those who are opposed to it because we believe in the 13th and the 14th and the 15th Amendment. We believe in the promises of equality and we know we can't get there if we can't confront and talk honestly about inequality. Which hardly sounds wildly radical, if you think about it. So, So the idea of critical race theory comes out of the legal world. The issue that is facing the legal world in the 1970s, and these are legal scholars, by the way, in the 1970s and in the 1980s, is the fact that the post-World War II era, the idea that you could promote equality in America through the use of the law becomes pretty well accepted, certainly among lawyers. That's a great hour episode, you guys. If you have the time, it's in the show notes. But here's what the Republicans are saying. Teach history but only the history we want future generations to know and believe how we lay it out. Whatever makes us look the best, forget about the truth. And why are we intentionally, this is my question, why are we intentionally misleading or willingly misleading our next generations? Here's an example of what I'm talking about. As a child in public in the public school system, I've probably talked about this in the past too, But I wholeheartedly believed Christopher Columbus came here with his friends on the Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria. They all sat down for Thanksgiving with the pilgrims. They ate turkey. Happy Thanksgiving. You know what I mean? That's a great story for children to believe about the founding fathers. Kids don't need to know in the K through maybe 10th grade about the rape and the mass murder genocide of almost an entire race that happened in order for them, those 
or these, those are these children, the kids, to be sitting in a classroom in what is now known as America. I'm sure the Native Americans that lived here for generations before Columbus got here had a name for this land. But you know, here we are. Do we all hate America now because we know the truth about how we obtained this land or that we had, you know, slavery for 400 years or segregation, Jim Crow? No, we don't. I love my country, man. I don't hate it here. But I feel like we need to teach this history, not because it teaches racism, but because it teaches why not to be racist to teach racism or be racist. Stop killing unarmed black men. Why is it a bad thing to teach where our country has come and how far we've come or how far we haven't come? The only way to prevent terrible parts of history from repeating itself is to teach it so future generations can recognize it when it pops up its ugly head and squash it. We should be learning or teaching about the civil rights movement with Martin Luther King and Congressman John Lewis and Congressman Elijah Cummings. Future generations need to learn about Rosa Parks and segregation. There has been uh, progress. But if younger generations don't know of the history from which they came, how can they truly appreciate where we're at and try to protect it? Let me jump into a sidebar here real quick. This brought me into that little lesbian couple. Dinez and I met the other day, mid-20s, recently married, super cute. But they were complaining of being discriminated against because some guys were giving them dirty looks. I was like, man, dirty looks suck. I said, I just make a weird face back out of them and, you know, be like, this is how you look, man. But, you know, that's just me. But I also mentioned to these young ladies, imagine what it was like in the 70s and what Harvey Milk went through. Those 20-something, you know, married young ladies, the little lesbian couple married, they said, who's Harvey Milk? I could feel the shock in my face from the response. I'm a very animated person. So that shit was like all over my face and my demeanor. I mean, a Gen Z lesbian telling me she does not know who Harvey Milk is. That's equivalent to like a young African-American person saying, who's Rosa Parks? How do you not know Harvey Milk is the reason you can hold your wife's hand in public and you can be married today? How do you not know who Rosa Parks is and the fact that she's the reason or a big reason you can sit anywhere on a bus if you're black, African-American, any minority for that matter. It's not always been okay for black people to sit in any part of the bus or the restaurant that they want to sit in. It's not always been okay for same-sex people to be married or even, you know, a couple for that matter. Gay clubs in the Castro of San Francisco in the 70s 
would get raided by police. People would, you know, get killed and beaten just for being themselves and going out dancing and drinking. Those are fucking facts of recent history. Harvey Milk was murdered by Dan White after losing his city council member seat to America's first openly gay elected official in Harvey Milk. Harvey Milk paved the way for the gay community. And that murder of Councilmember Milk was not that long ago. Diane Feinstein was in the building when Dan White murdered Harvey Milk and Mayor Moscone. And Diane Feinstein is still today one of the two United States senators in California. If you're a baby boomer or a Gen Xer, this happened in your lifetime. Sit with that for a minute. And look where we're at some 44 years later. All the major corporations sell pride stuff, just like they sell 4th of July stuff now. PetSmart yesterday, rainbow shits everywhere. It was beautiful. And Rosa Parks, she paved the way for African Americans for her time, the time she lived in. And there were, you know, African Americans before her that paved the way for her. Harriet Tubman, for example. And fun fact, Rosa Parks died in 2005. That's not that long ago, you guys. Let that sit in. Cesar Chavez, for the Hispanic community, he was huge. And whoever paved the way for him. And this is just a few of the minority historical figures in American history who helped change our society, who fought to bring opportunity and equality for all minority communities to be treated like everybody else. And a lot of those folks paid the price with their lives striking a nerve in others, in young people and people their own age, to keep those movements going. And all you Gen Zs and Ys and millennials, all my friends, all you need to do for a history lesson in recent history, recent American history, is ask your grandparents or your parents, anyone in the baby boomer generation, they lived it. They lived through it. Just like you'll be telling your kids or your grandkids or your great-grandkids later on about COVID because you lived through it. And in 30 years, 40 years, when kids are like, people are like, COVID's so 2020, you can just roll your eyes (laughs) and be like, man, I lived it. I feel like the younger generations overall, not all, but I feel like they take things for granted. Cannabis, too. We can put that in there. People just walk past you with a vape pen like it's no big deal. And it is no big deal today. But people spent time in prison, years, for carrying the same amount of cannabis that you have in one cartridge. And you got two different flavors in your man purse or your pocket. But people went to prison even for seeds, just for carrying seeds. Jail, no bail, fool. The younger generations are reaping the benefits of the fights fought by people in the past. And if a young gay person 
doesn't know who or what the Harvey Milk represented to the gay community and what was known as, you know, first the gay community, then LGBT, now it's LGBTQQIAAP. Oh my God, I just, it gives me anxiety, queens. This is going to be a long topic next week, I can tell, man, because I, I got so much more to, to talk about on this. But anyways, how can people truly appreciate and protect the rights of their community if they don't know the fight fought? History is a subject for a reason. Teach the truth. I'm down for critical race theory in the schools. I'd love to talk more about this with you guys. Send me your questions and comments at info at eastwestgrind.com. All right, let's do a little housekeeping. That's a new topic. Uh, If you've been listening to me since the beginning of this show, you know I'm all about small businesses. I'm not against corporate, but if I'm ever going to go, you know, work for corporate again, it's going to be in the tech industry. They take good care of their people, really good care. And I don't have to be an engineer to work for them. I'm not an engineer. They provide jobs that a Walmart worker can do. And the tech industry pays their people really well. Episode 23456 of the East West Grind. They provide their workforce perks. Old corporate wouldn't dream of providing their people. It had cut into their profits. That's why Fox and them them being old corporate, are demonizing the tech industry to their listeners. Just jamming into people's heads that tech is the devil and they're communist. It's funny to see people like Tucker Carlson tweet that social media platforms are monsters on the social media platforms. I mean, if it's true, if that's how you feel, Tucker... Why do you have a Facebook or a Twitter or an Instagram or a YouTube channel? See what I mean, you guys? It's all fear. Old corporate is losing all their best workforce equals money, profits, but they're losing it to the tech industry, down to the truck drivers and bus drivers and culinary teams. Let me give you an example real quick. Side note. And article is in the show notes. So so usually, if you're not a direct employee in the tech industry, the company you work for is a vendor contractor, which means the employee of the other company that works on the campuses have a large part of the perks and benefits that direct employees of the tech giants have. Make sense? If I work for a vendor contractor... I still get some of the perks that the actual tech person who works directly for tech, I still get a lot of those benefits. And that was very cool, by the way. But they don't hire these tech leaders. They don't just hire any Tom, Dick, or Harry company to, to be a vendor on their campuses. If you're a VC, your company has agreed to the tech leader stipulations, which is usually you got to pay your staff well, well above minimum wage. You got to give them some health insurance. It's usually a Monday through Friday job and the tech industry recognizes and pays their staff for most federal holidays. If you're a VC, you must 
agree to pay your staff those holidays as well. The same that the corporate, that the uh, the tech giants, that they pay their staff. You guys got to pay it. If you're a contractor, you got to pay your staff too. Those are facts. So recently, again, articles in the show notes, the contractors that employ the culinary team and janitors on one of their campuses, and I'm not going to say their names, they know who they are and you can Google them if you want to know. And the article, again, is in the show notes. But that vendor on that campus recently took some holiday pay from their chefs and janitors, and then all of a sudden, they had a change of heart and decided that they would pay the holiday pay to that staff out of the goodness of their hearts. Bullshit. The tech giant, the corporation, the head, found out that they were going to take this pay from their janitors and, you know, their cooks. And they said, okay, you're going to pay these guys or we're going to give this multi-million dollar contract to another vendor who will pay them. This is why I love the tech industry business model so much. Sergey Brin and Larry Page started this. And I'm a firm believer that the tech industry has grown so fast because of their business model of people first and actually following through with it. Okay, back from that little side note, but small businesses, chef-driven, farm-to-fork cuisine, mom-and-pop pizza and pub, mom-and-pop cafes, mom-and-pop coffee, whatever, whatever. That's how we roll here at The Grind. Now let me take you over to Washington State. Mariposa Taqueria and Tweets Cafe are nestled in what is reminiscent of beautiful and peaceful Mayberry. It's down there in Bo Edison. They got uh, Chef David Blakesley and Charles Atkinson's own Mariposa and Tweets and are very active in their community. And not only is Chef David an artist in the culinary world, he also owns Shop Curator. He's a sculptor. And he, you know, he creates handcrafted jewelry and paintings. I mean, this guy, Chef David Blakesley, his artistic talents run the gamut and his food is fucking phenomenal. But all three of these local small businesses of the Blakesley Atkinson team are literally on the same street. And about, I guess, a week and a half ago, around 2 a.m., a couple were driving drinking and driving, by the way, and they took out the back end of Mariposa uh, Taqueria. They have no car insurance, and here, Chef David and Charles have been working their asses off to keep Mariposa and Tweets alive through COVID, only to have some irresponsible teens take out the restaurant. It's not right. So Chef David opened a GoFundMe page to rebuild Mariposa in that small community of Bo Edison. Chef David gets all his ingredients for both of his restaurants from local farmers. It's organic and it is cooked to perfection. I've eaten at both of his restaurants. His pasoli is the bomb. So to all my listeners out there all over the world, my friends, If you can, I know times are tough. Donate whatever amount to help rebuild this well-known small business. I know for a fact 
Charles and Chef David will be forever grateful and humbled at your support. The GoFundMe link is going to be in the show notes. Good luck out there, General. We love you guys. All right, you guys, it's that time again. Let's give that love to our friends over at Body and Soul Botanica. Take it away, Ash. Folks, your Miracle Sports Cream has contributed to me being weeks ahead of schedule in the healing process with my ankle. And I am genuinely so happy this product found me because seeing and feeling the progress in my ankle has really kept my mental state up. I mean, it's, it's been pretty traumatic to just boom, all of a sudden not be able to walk or cook. I'm a chef. Shower myself, you know what I mean? It's some days were hard and it's been really rough for the last 12, 14 months for most of the world. Adding a broken ankle to the mix was not a a piece of cake, trust me. But actually seeing the progress and feeling the pain become less and less through the use of Miracle Sports Cream from Body and Soul, it's made for super positive days like, you're going to make it, Chris. Hang in there. Calm down. I'm super grateful for it. And guys, don't forget when you get over to that um, website and you place your order... Enter promo code EASTWESTGRIND for that 20% off. And with that 20% off, when you place your order, check out their eye cream and their bath products too. That's www.bodysoulbotanica.com. Go check that out, my friends. It's been really, really great. It's reasonably priced. And remember, I always say this, you get what you pay for applies to everything. One more thing, guys. Body and Soul Miracle Sports Cream has 11 all-natural herbs, including CBD. And all combined, this sports cream goes beyond the powers of just the CBD. Give it a shot, you guys. One more time, it's www.bodysoulbotanica.com. Promo code EASTWESTGRIND for that 20% off. Brah! I... I can't with that product, you guys. I absolutely love it. All right, guys. uh, Who's our asshole of the week? Every Republican talking head, podcaster, and political commentator that predicted the end of the Lincoln Project. You guys are all assholes. And your chicken shits, too. Here's what happened, you guys. Nutshell version. One of the founders of the Lincoln Project was accused of some sexual misconduct with a minor, John Weaver. The Lincoln Project, by the way, is a bunch of Republicans who were not getting on the Trump train. It's that character thing we talked about earlier. Steve Schmidt, Rick Wilson, all Republican strategists who said, fuck that noise, I'm out, I'm not on that train. Well, when this shit with Weaver came down last year, The Lincoln Project said, hey, we don't know nothing about what this guy is doing on his own time, but come on in and investigate all of us who are affiliated with the Lincoln Project because we don't know nothing. We didn't do nothing. Well, Fox and Trump jumped on this like, oh, look at the Lincoln Project. They're all covering up for a pedophile. Well, the investigations closed today and nobody associated with the Lincoln Project had any knowledge of John Weaver's thirst for boys. 
But I mean, you know what? Think about this for a second. That'd mean, if they knew, that'd mean John Weaver had to have been coming to work showing nude pictures of teenage boys on his phone to his colleagues. And they'd be like, oh, that's cool, man. No problem. Somebody comes to me at work and shows me, you know, pictures like that with young boys. And you're like a middle-aged man. Like, oh, I'm dating this person. Yeah, I'm calling the cops. Most people would. The Lincoln Project is a super PAC now. It's now a super PAC for Republicans against Trump-publicans. I say great. And for this reason, and so many more, every Republican talking head and podcaster, political commentator, like I said at the top, who has tried to ruin these guys, mm, you guys are assholes. All right, you guys. I'm out. I'll see you next week. Remember to like, share, subscribe. Subscribe so you can get those downloads. Help us move this podcast, y'all. Check out the website. I'm always looking for ways to improve, like I already said. So if you notice some stank, let me know. Send us that email at info at eastwestgrind.com. Remember to send us your questions and concerns. We'll ask your questions on the show. Like you, we seek answers. Share this podcast with those Macca relatives you love so very much, but you can't get a word in. Send them this podcast, you guys. They'll get me because I get them. All right, you guys. Have a good week. We'll see you next week. And as always, I got your back, guys. Peace.